Hello and welcome to Died Hard, the comedy podcast that asks the most difficult questions like what was the worst gig you ever had and make you live through that trauma because why? Well, it's cheaper than therapy. Uh, our guest today is a guest that I have been thrilled to have. I properly messed him about with the timings of recording this, uh, but he's here and he looks happy to be here. Uh, I saw him live in Sheffield, but he's not from Sheffield. He's here all the way from Australia. Uh, well, he's coming to us live from Paris, uh, which he's a more travelled man than I am. So please welcome Casey Phillips. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me, mate. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for being here. This is uh, perhaps the most international record, but perhaps the most ex- one I've been excited for as well. <laughs> oh, thanks very much, mate. I've been very excited for this too. And uh, you've caught me at a good moment. It makes my life look very international and... Uh, jet setting but i assure you it's not usually like this well i i was gonna say from the uh, from the material that i heard you do uh, <laughs> i think this is it's a nice switch up for you isn't it yeah yeah it is um yeah because you saw the sheffield show which was was quite an experience for me personally it was probably the biggest show i've done in front of um 1300 in the end and yeah i learned a lot from that show yeah. it was good it's good to to uh I think learn to to deal with a, a bigger audience and sort of things you have to do because usually back home I was probably doing sets to 200 maybe uh, 300 people yeah. and uh, yeah just all the learnings that come along the way with uh, adapting and to different environments I guess yeah I think it was definitely um, I'm I think as as anyone is with comedy like you see a support act and you're very much like oh how's this going to be but all three of you in the night Brennan you and, and Luke Kidgel were all performing like top barrel kind of kind of performance I thought it was really good and I think it was a great crowd it was a great set in general from all of you and I think it's not always something that you get but I think Sheffield is a very nice place to perform <laughs> Well, thanks very much. We had a really an awesome time, actually. They really took care of us uh, down there. But uh, I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. It was cool to have you guys in, to be honest, and uh, have someone as uh, yeah. as uh, across comedy as as you are, Ben. Because uh, a lot of the people, lovely people, who were coming to the shows were it was their first time going to comedy, which I was finding out mid show a yeah. lot of the time, which was fun. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, uh, it was quite funny for me. There was someone where you, Brennan and Luke all spoke to the same two girls at different points who I know them, I've, I've known them for years and they sat in the front row. Yeah. And I, the general rule with sitting in a front row is prep something, like just have something interesting to say about yourself. And these two people were just like, no, I'm, I'll give you nothing work with that just she works in a hospital i work in a bar figure out where you're going that's so funny and uh it's so funny in in context like that where it's a big uh, a big huge room and you're coming to see um well luke i guess is known as the sort of crowd work comedian online and he's gathered a lot of yeah. success through that but then to to come to a 
a show like that and not have anything to say is very interesting. I can understand when we back home, we usually do like, you know, like the classic pub gig, which, you know, all around London as well. Yeah. And uh, I can understand if you're there eating your meal and you sort of don't realise there's comedy and then go, oh no, we're now front row. Oh, I don't want to do, talk to this guy. <laughs> I can understand that, which is yeah. the majority of my gigs, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's always uh, an interesting time when you, you, you talk to someone in the front row and they are shocked as if you're asking them something in a foreign language. It's it's very funny. <laughs> it gets me every time. Yeah. It's, I uh, I have a general rule in, I don't really talk to comedians when I, uh, not to comedians, to the crowd when I gig. Because yeah. uh, I, I hate people. Uh, <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> and the thought of having to like, having to be quick-witted with these people it just it's a nightmare for me yeah but i generally if i ever do it i like to pick about three rows back because it's just in that area where someone's like i'm safe no one's gonna talk to me i'm safe yeah 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 and i'm like i'll go for you because <laughs> anyone in the front row they i think they're too cocky yeah anyone that sits there is like i know what i'm doing yeah that's true it's very funny different uh different rooms as well have different cutoffs with uh vision which I don't think audience members realise yeah. that because, like, obviously you're lit up on the stage, but from our perspective on stage, sometimes it's we get half of the face of the people in the front row or the third row or the fifth. Yeah. I was doing a show in Paris just uh, two weekends ago and uh, the other comedians were up and doing their stuff and you were hearing laughs. I was like, okay, cool, cool. And I was in a theatre as well. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I get brought on by the, the comic and it's it's a classic theatre so you can't see into the auditorium at all until you're on stage. So it's like, all right, let's yeah. see who he is, Casey Phillips. And I come down and I open the curtain and there's just no one in the entire theatre and one woman sitting at the very front. And she was like, oh, I was like the fourth comedian coming on and she was very much like, yep, yeah, here we go. What are you going to say to me? And I'm coming out going, oh my God, what's your name? She's like, she's had all the answers because she'd already been asked who she was, what her name was, like what she did and everything. And then uh, I got a few giggles yeah. of that, but they were from the darkness. I was like looking up, <laughs> where are these laughs coming from? And then they're like they're probably three or four rows at the back all around were all full, but anywhere we could see just had nothing and it was like performing to like the boogeyman and all their family <laughs> it was bizarre I guess it just seems like Paris doesn't have like a fill from the front rule like every other country would I don't know what it was on that night because the night that I performed there before was, was full and it was a great night and that was a good night too but it just was an odd uh, an odd <laughs> an odd configuration of people just one of the many things you have to deal with when yeah. you're doing stand up as I'm sure you know yeah, I think um, the like the first time I did like a bigger stage where there was lighting and everything. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that like I, I came away with some advice to anyone that would ever sit in the front row, and it was a thing that I did in that gig was just like, do not wear like colourful clothes if you don't want me to talk to you. Because with these lights, if you're wearing pink, that's all I see. So you're getting sure. picked on. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. And it's like, I've got nothing against you. You're just the only person that exists to me. Yeah. It's quite funny. I think uh, I was talking to Luke about it, going into the his tour, supporting him. Uh, and he just, uh, I was asking him, like, what do, what do you want from me? Do you want me to do a lot of crowd work? Do you want me to leave it to you? And he goes, yeah, you just go for it. Do whatever you need. And then um, I was like, okay. And then actually yeah. getting to see one of his full hour shows, I was quite surprised how little setup crowd work he does. 
He just seems to sort of, it just sort of comes yeah. about. I was talking to him after the show going, oh, I thought you did like maybe 50% crowd work or whatever. And he goes, no, to be honest, I just get distracted mid-show. I've got an hour of written stuff. I just get distracted. Yeah. And ever since I've really noticed myself uh, when I do get distracted, crowd work's just the easy thing. So a beacon in the audience is a saviour for a comedian sometimes, a pink shirt or something like that is, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm working on, um, I'm doing uh, like 25 minutes for a, a kind of local festival fringe thing. Cool. Uh, and I'm working on a set there that is all about uh, like my ADHD just so I could slip in a few jokes with crowd work where I could be like, anyway, so I get easily distracted. I like your shoes. And then I can just talk to someone about that. Bounce off, yeah. Where I think that is that thing of, it just comes out of, it. I think often it is distraction, but I looked at it like, is it easier? If I just write 15 minutes for a 25 minute set, I got 10 minutes, I can just chat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Even if you just did 15 minutes and then started in the 15 minutes again at the top because you, you, ran, no. out of, you ran out of steam <laughs> with the ADHD. Oh, it's, yeah. I don't know if more, if we're getting more ADHD at the moment as a as a generation uh, or the generations coming through are yeah. more open to it or we're just learning more about it. But it seems to be popping up every third person I'm talking to now seems to, seems to identify with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that thing of we've we've ruined our attention spans yeah. with TikTok and, and Vine and apps like that where it's like, okay, here's all the entertainment you need. It's a minute long. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably a cause for it when like, you know, we just want information now. And if it's not there, it's like, well, let's move on. Mm-hmm. And it, I think there's definitely that cultural kind of thing. And for sure. I think we'll, as well, we'll see that that has a huge impact on on the comedy landscape and and where that goes because punchlines you could normally get away with like even like a 10 minute setup and then a big payoff but realistically now unless you've got that like it's joke 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 like who's listening a hundred percent i remember russell brand used to talk to uh talk about um how there needs to be a joke every 30 seconds for him or a laugh every 30 seconds whether that's him yeah uh, writing something in or something just happens, he just feels like he needs to keep grabbing the audience. I wonder if that that 30 seconds has shrunk over time and is now sort of 20. Um, it, yeah, yeah. I, it would be awesome to, to perform, to time travel back to a time before the internet, perform once and see how different it was and see if it was different, see if it's exactly the same, yeah. you know, obviously references aside. but I think... I imagine that's why there were so many like comedy megastars at the time is that you couldn't just, you know, put a really funny bit of crowd work on TikTok and then everyone be like, okay, this is the guy. Like before you had to just do a lot, do it in a lot of places and be really good. Yeah. Yeah. A war of attrition, Uh, a battle of staying, sticking it out. Yeah. I, I, and I imagine there's a lot of comedians that that's really good for that, you know, it, it is now just post a video and hopefully it blows up. But yeah, I, again, I think it is one of them things that maybe in the grand scheme of things in the comedy landscape, has it screwed us all that there's too many of us now? Yeah. And we'll never achieve full fame. Well, it's funny. I think there's, oh, I reckon there might be the similar amount of us, but then there seems to be more people who are good at, uh, thrusting they'll 
better at uh, showing themselves to the world, whereas in the past there might have just been so yeah. many good comedians, comedians who would have just been incredible doing the same clubs every week, but we'd never heard of them. Um, now everyone seems to be, yeah. know how to film, know how to film their crowds and like and cut. Everyone's a video editor, a, a videographer as well, yeah. and all this sort of stuff, a social media manager. You have to be, I guess. Yeah. I think uh, I have the benefit of my job is filming and editing videos for a social media company. Oh, there you go. So we'll dive into the questions then. Sure. Um, in terms of, you, you know, the main bulk of this is is comedy and it's your, like, comedy experience. What was it that kind of made you think, like, I'm getting into this, this is what I'm going to do now? It's, it's, I think it's a whole... I think it's a whole combination of things, to be honest. I, So I have been an actor since I was a little kid, really. Um, I yeah. uh, did a school play, the classic you did a school play when I was about 10, and just I think I got my first laugh in a, in this school play. Yeah. I was playing a newsreader. It was as a satirical sort of, in a satirical sort of scene. And um, I just remember watching the newsreaders on, uh, on television and just trying to trying to nail exactly all the sort of funny things that they did, um, which I found quite bizarre. Yeah. And then I remember doing it on this night just because was, it was fun for me to say the lines like a newsreader that I've seen on TV and, and mimic them. I remember mimicking them and just getting yeah. this huge wave of laughter. It's about like 300 people in the in the, the auditorium and just that hitting me and going, whoa, this is something else. And I think something sort of clicks <laughs> in, your, in your brain or in your spirit or something. Uh, from that moment forward. Definitely. And I thought that that was like acting, to be honest. I thought that's what that was. Um, so I continued on that train and uh, just was always sort of like the sporty and drama kid all throughout school. And uh, me and mum used to watch stand-up together a lot at home. Um, she's been a massive influence for me uh, in comedy. We'd always watch live at the Apollo um, from yeah. over in the UK. Uh, and just see like awesome acts um that, i think that's when it was really pumping live at the apollo as well uh when it was sort of yeah, like definitely. tv comedy on tv was the big thing um that sort of shifted i think a little yeah. bit now but um that was a massive influence for me and then that in combination with watching uh shows like flight of the concords um and the mighty boosh sort of growing up i yeah i just I thought those shows were just genius and I just couldn't um, take my eyes off them, really. I just had to watch them on repeat. And uh, Faulty Towers was another one, just absolutely loved. But again, for me, it was all like acting and I was I was really hell-bent on, on accessing or trying to do this through acting. Um, and then I went to drama school and uh, in Melbourne, did all that and finished that and then was able to, to join a theatre company uh, which I was very, I wasn't still am very fond of. Uh, and that was sort of like my goal when I first get out of drama school was to join this company called Red Stitch in Melbourne, just a really small independent theatre company and did that. And then there I met a friend who I thought was incredible on stage, this this lady called uh, Emily Goddard. She's an incredible actress. And I said to her, like, where did you study? You are amazing. Um, and she said, I went to this place called uh, Philippe Gaulier. Uh, that's the guy's name. He runs a school in Paris. It's like a clown school, but he runs a... It's a theatre school that specialises in clown. It's quite famous for its clown aspects. 
And I was like, oh, my God, that that is probably the scariest thing I think I could do, uh, the most terrifying. Because yeah. I've always, in doing acting and, and, and acting and going to drama school, doing the plays, I always was looking for for funny parts or things that I found funny, even if it was a dramatic scene. I just It just keeps me interested and keeps me engaged. And then so to actually go to this guy and sort of who seems like the sort of Yoda of comedy, really, this old French man. Yeah. Um, and she told me the story. He's like, he's going to sit there with a the drum and he's going to bang it three times and you're just going to be on stage. You don't know what the instruction is. And I remember thinking that is so cool and so whack, but I... I sort of dig this. So I went over in 2019. I finished that um, couple of plays with that theatre company and then went off to uh, to Paris and uh, studied with this guy. And within a couple of weeks, I was just enamoured with his methodology, which is all based around fun and uh, having pleasure yeah. on stage, but sharing that with the audience. Um, if you can have fun, firstly, in your own life, great, of course. And then if you can share it with others... At the end of the day, that's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make people laugh. We're trying to trying to share that with a whole group of people. So yeah, that sure. that was awesome. And then uh, I was decided to stay. I was gonna. I was only gonna stay for a couple of months, but I decided to stay. So I went to uh, London quickly. Did my sort of bar work there, and was gonna come back for the third term of this school and and do uh, uh, clowning and all those sort of really uh, interesting subjects. And then that week, COVID hit. So, yeah, yeah. I ended up uh, living living with my friend who I met at clown school only a couple of months earlier. Um, I moved in with him and his parents in in London, uh, Greater London, and yeah, stayed with them for like five months. In the end, we thought it was only going to be a couple of weeks when COVID hit. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. You know, this little Australian kid trying to hang on for dear life, not going home because uh, I wanted to go back to this cl- clown school. And uh, yeah. and then my, my friend's parents, they were just so lovely. They'd like house me and they were just like, yep, whenever, however long you need to stay or however long we're in lockdown for. That's sort of totally cool. Um, and then I ended up having to go home. I got a gig, I got an acting gig and uh, I could finally get a flight home. To be honest, that's when Australia wasn't really receiving any flights. So finally got back in, yeah. did the show. And then once the show finished, it ended up ironically being on Zoom anyway, even though I had to fly back across the world to be on Zoom because uh, someone in the cast yeah. got COVID. So we all just went, let's just do it on Zoom anyway. And then I realized, oh no, I'm not performing at the moment. I'm not up every week because um, part of the, the clown school was that you, you perform every Friday. You perform obviously once a day. Yeah. Um, and then every Friday you have sort of like your weekly showing. And I was really craving that constant performance that acting doesn't really give you, to be honest. Uh, you, you're sort of yeah. often waiting for other people to give you the thumbs up and say, yeah, you can do that. Oh, this role looks good for you. Or, or no, you're not quite. We've got someone else who's just you but slightly better looking. Or, or no, they speak it's like a different language as well. Or, or no, they've got experience in boogie boarding or surfing. And just like little things like this. You're just like, I feel like I can't control that. Yeah. But... With stand-up, it just felt like it was in my hands all of a sudden. Uh, so that was quite empowering for me. And, of course, mum and I, we watched uh, stand-up a lot growing up. 
So I decided to, to jump in and, and give it a crack. And just before I left actually going yeah. overseas, I was working in a call centre. This is funny. I was working in a call centre and for like two months to get some quick cash. And uh, I start, people started asking me what I do and I said acting. And I started saying acting and comedy. And then people were going, oh, what do you, what do you mean by yeah. acting and comedy? And I'm like, oh, you know, just acting. And they're like, oh, stand-up. And because I thought I was never going to see these people again, I hadn't done stand-up up at that point. I just went, yeah, yeah, stand-up as well. They're like, oh, really? And I just found myself <laughs> lying going, yeah, yeah, stand-up as well. Then they're like, oh, we, we might run like an office stand-up night that you can, you can jump up with. I was like, yeah, yeah. And luckily they didn't organize it in time before I left, so I didn't have to do it. But then I came back and then that same <laughs> mate who we stayed in contact with and I'd totally forgotten about that I told them I'd do stand-up now. <laughs> she was like, hey, I'm running the yeah. stand-up night in my shed. I'm just going to get a few of my friends to come and perform. Do you want to come perform in my shed? You can MC the night because I know how much stand-up you do and how good you are. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, and I got there thinking, it'll, it's okay. It'll just be like a little gig in a shed for just her and like five friends and the other comedians. It'll be new as well. I rocked up and there were some of like the the best comedians from Melbourne, like across Australia, like Nick Kappa was there. Lewis Garnham, who like does oh, wow. all these amazing like festival shows every year. Um, Aiden Jones, who performs at like Edinburgh every year. Um, just yeah. all these awesome names from around the scene back home. And then there's me like trying for the first time. Just like talking absolute dribble. But after that yeah. first first time, I just was, I was like, this is great. I need to need to continue this because I could get up as many times as I wanted to that week and I could write as much as I need wanted to um, I didn't just get to learn yeah. the lines that someone gave me and walk on stage when someone told me and you know what I mean it was a bit more freeing I guess yeah definitely I think you, you've got that thing that often I think you'll find any comedian does that it doesn't really matter where from around the world you are everyone seems to kind of anchor on like well, what are they doing in this country? And then watch them shows. Like, I know you talk live at the Apollo, and I think, like, for me, I, there is loads of, like, Melbourne comedy that I've kind of latched onto. Oh, and cool. I hear so many people that are like, oh, I love this American comedy thing. And I I always think that's the, it's the tell of if someone really cares about comedy <laughs> is it's like, do you watch the shows at home or do you actively seek out like, well, what's big here and what's doing well and who's doing well? Yeah. And I think it, it's such a thing where like you need to, you can't just be like, I like comedy. You have to go and get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny that like I watched comedy from London and you, you seem to be well across stuff in Melbourne. Um, and I, yeah. I didn't go to the comedy fest until I was, I mum took me for the first time when I was 16 and then I didn't go again until I was 18 um, and, and that was in bizarre coming from Melbourne where you're, you're living in one of the, the spots where they've got one of the top comedy festivals in the world. It's like almost like living in Edinburgh yeah. and like probably not going to the fringe until you're, you're in your, your 20s or something. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very, very funny. But I think, yeah, I mean, the first gig, oh no, we'll, we'll get to that later, I guess, in terms of the worst gig. But yeah, that was probably it's another thing. Who did you in Melbourne? You were saying that you. You uh, you liked a few comedians from there, or yeah. Um, so I think I'm trying to think who my first kind of like 
I, I can't think of the word like who I first saw that really got me into it. I know that I saw a lot of Cameron James. I don't know if you know who he is. Yes. Uh, but I saw a lot of his stuff. Uh, and then he was talking about like he was on this podcast and this podcast was called Confessions of the Idiot. Yeah. And so I started listening to that. And then through that, I managed to connect with Sam Peterson, who's the host of that. Uh, he was the first guest on the podcast as well. Oh, cool. So I was chatting to him and then he was just kind of like slowly dropping in like, oh, this comedian's good, this comedian's good. Um, and then I think around the time I discovered Confessions of the Idiots, I discovered Auntie Donna uh, and I got really into Auntie Donna. Iconic. It's great because it, I, it's just so weird as well. They're but like awesome. there is no one that I feel safe recommending it to. Yeah. And so I'd be like, oh, have you watched anything good? And I'm like, right, I could recommend Auntie Donna's Coffee Cafe, but you might never talk to me yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? You either you either love, you either know Auntie Donna or you absolutely adore them. Like, you, you, there's no in between. Yeah. Uh, they're so good. And they're, they're so good at just, like, listening to each other and bouncing off each other. And, oh, yeah. they're... they're <laughs> They're quite rare, actually. Actually, and I do. I think I really appreciate yeah. a good uh, a good comedy group. When you see like a good group yeah. of people like working on the same level, there's something quite admirable about that. Admirable, and because um, there's just... not really much of that. Like it's not common now that people are like great with three people that that consistently kind of like perform mm. at this level, and we, and we do this like we don't even have like today's Monty Python or anything like that where I think that kind of door does open to have acts come through that are a little weirder like Auntie Donna that it's like this could be huge yeah if you just open your mind to it and yeah just let the weirdness kind of seep in yeah that's so interesting I wonder if that's for what we were talking about before in terms of everyone's trying to do it on their own in a way because you can yeah um whereas maybe in the past is you, there might have been more of a feeling of like like you need a band or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder. Again, another That's hypothetical it. I probably won't find the answer to unless I can discover tri- time travel and go back. But <laughs> Hello, future Ben here. Just interrupting past Ben. This podcast is still pretty new, so getting out there is a little bit of a slow process. But it really helps if you could follow the podcast uh, and give it a rating, maybe even five stars. It'll only take a minute and maybe you even want to share it with some of your friends and your followers too. Uh, I'll see you soon and I'll hand back to Ben of the past. We're going to do the classic segment, the segment everyone loves. We are going to look at first gig, worst gig. So this is your time to just vent every bit of stress and anger and resentment you hold towards that gig. Just get it out now, air it, and you never have to think about it again. Oh, my God. I think I've done a fair share of thinking about this over the years. So my first gig is my worst gig, and my worst gig is my first gig. Um, (laughs) I... As I was saying before, my mum and I, we used to watch our comedy together and that was sort of our thing, uh, sitting on the couch. And we, it got to my, I was turning, I'm going to say 19. No, yeah, I was going to say 19. And uh, my partner at the time and my mum 
they had organised uh, a, a birthday for me, a birthday dinner. And it was at a Thai restaurant just down the street from where my parents uh, where I lived with my parents at the time. And um, so we picked up a girlfriend at the time and we all drove down as a family. And as we're driving down the street, I saw some of my close friends down the street. I was like, oh my God, these are close friends. And they were carrying a big present. I was like, oh my God, they're really dressed up. It's like they're going out to like dinner. It's so crazy. Um, and then my girlfriend was like, no, 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 what are you doing? No, no, just um, don't worry about them. And she was actually really weird. I was like, oh, that's weird. Anyway, we get into this Thai restaurant and um, mum's like, and there's a comedy night here tonight. And I was like, oh, it's so crazy. Wow, wow, it's so great. So we walked in, we all sat down. There's this big, long table down the middle of the venue. And that was the only, pretty much the table, was that and the bar. And I was like, oh, yeah. wow, this is like really cool, interesting setup. We sat down and then uh, we start looking at the menu, chatting, order like a Coke or whatever. And then uh, out of behind this curtain comes one of my best friends from school. Max, what are you doing? Max, it's me, Casey. Oh, my God. Look, why are you here? This is so wild. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he sits down. He's all dressed up. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Oh, this is the best birthday. Oh, my God. And then two minutes later, another friend walks from behind the curtain. I'm like, oh, Ben, what the hell, Ben? And so then it comes through. About four or five friends came through. And I just kept going, what? oh, my God, oh, my God. To the point where they had to be like, dickhead, it's a surprise birthday. <laughs> Can yep. you catch on? And I was like, oh, okay, okay, get it, get it. And Mum's like, yeah, yeah, you know, we thought we'd um, get all your friends around. There's like 15 of them. Um, and we do it at a comedy night because you know how much you love comedy. And um, we're thinking, if you want to jump up, now would be a great time to do it. It's going to yeah. be your first ever gig. And she's, I was like, oh, I don't know, mom. And she's like, no, 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 like, this would be great. Like, you, you're always very funny. And, like, everyone's around. Literally, my mom's bigging me up, signing me up for my first sign-up. <laughs> she's like, you're very funny. Like, and, and it's a really warm environment. It's your family and friends. When are you going to get this opportunity again? So I thought, yeah. okay, cool, I'll do it, I'll do it. And we anyway, sit down and we have some dinner. And then uh, there was going to be a comedian there that night, but then he last minute was a dropout, so they got someone else. And he was yeah. one of my my mum and I's favourite comics. Anyway, then the, the host comes out, and the host can only be best described as a small, bald, nuggety guy. Sort of like if you imagine Joe Rogan... Yeah. was Australian and was just angry that he wasn't the actual Joe Rogan. Yeah. He just was so angry at everything. <laughs> he's gripping the mic. He's doing... Just sort of like, what do you want? Where are you from? Oh, God, it was a lot. And then he turns to my girlfriend and me sitting front row and he goes, you're the birthday boy, are you? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, well, look at you. And starts talking to my girlfriend and going, oh... And starts just like saying like some really intense like stuff about her. She's like 17 right now. I think yeah. I was 18. She was 17 turning 18 in a couple of months. And he starts just like just going ham on. He's like a 45-year-old dude. And how much he, he, oh, he loved her. Loves to get in bed with you and oh, like really gross stuff. And keeps going, keeps going. And people sort of, it was the energy was sucked out of the room. Everyone was like, this is not good. Anyway, he just kept going, kept going. And he goes, anyway, I'll bring up the next comedian. Here he is. You're going to love him. This next guy comes up. And this next guy is like, oh, were you the girl that he was talking about? Oh, I can see why you're... And everyone, every like two or three comedians in a row kept coming up and just like commenting on her looks or or 
being really good, like sleazy, to be honest. It was really yeah. gross. Anyway, it was a bit of an intermission and my poor girlfriend at the time, she just like runs upstairs and bursts into tears, which is totally fair enough. And I was like, oh my God, you're okay? I'm sorting out if she's all right. She said, yeah, yeah, you, you stay. I just, I think I just need to go. This is really yuck. I'm like, that's totally fair enough. Um, is there anything I can do? She said, no, no, you just stay. Just please enjoy the night. But um, yeah, this is this is good if I tap out and just not involved in this, which is, you know, horrible that she had to be in that situation after being so nice and, and, and organising this incredible night for me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so she gets picked up by her dad and leaves. So now I'm really mad. Yeah. And I'm 19, or 18, sorry. And the organiser comes up to me and goes, hey, do you want to jump up at the end, do five minutes? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do five minutes. I'm gonna, oh. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this guy. This guy was so horrible to my girlfriend. Uh, I'm gonna get him. And you know when you're like 18, your mom like, I'm gonna marry this girl. He doesn't know. You know, I'm gonna yeah. get him. And then so this comedian jumps up and does like 20 minutes as the headliner and is really good. I can't stress. He was like really good and got the night up and up and pumping. Yeah. And then he like the MC comes back on and goes, anyway, I think we've got the birthday boy who wants to jump up, so it's his first time, you know, let's just, you know, get a big warm round of applause to the birthday boy. I jumped up and I, I still remember the set. It's so bad. I jumped up and I was just like, yeah, all right. Well, you think, you think that, you think you're big man, big man, think, ooh, gonna... Gonna gonna get ya, front row. Oh, you're nice. I'm gonna get ya. Is that what you think? Well, you're not. You're not big man. You, not a big small man. Small, smallish man. Smaller man than you think. And you're bald. So that's bad for you. So <laughs> sucked in. Um, and it's bombing so hard. Everyone's like, "Whoa, he's just losing his mind." And you know when you, <laughs> you know when like you're so mad that you just tense up and you just can't quite get the words out either. So I'm like. Tsk. I'm cutting up each word like it's a bad Zoom call. I'm like, he's want to stuff you, man. Like, that's <laughs> happening. Anyway, then, after bombing for two minutes on that, <laughs> this unheard confidence that I somehow had, I started to segue into just improving material as yeah. a 19-year-old. And I just far out. Because I thought... I went. I was going to RMIT Uni, which shout out to anyone from Melbourne, but um, is is a really it's a nice university and it's uh, it's renowned for being quite uh, good at technology. So it gets a lot of um, international students in um, from all across Southeast Asia. Yeah, and in the toilets they have like a, a sign that says like a green circle and like a, the correct way to sit on the toilet. Um, yeah. for a, cl- a classical sort of Western toilet. And then it has a picture of someone standing with it sort of squatting on the toilet and with a big X saying, don't do that. And I, I go like, oh, well, I'm going to uni now. What the hell's with this? Everyone's, you know, you're supposed to sit on the toilet. I think we know that. I think we know. <laughs> and then um, I didn't know that there was a lot of international students at the uni because it was my first week there. And some of my friends who are far more cultured at the time than I were like, one of them whispered and this guy, Nick, who started whispering, no, no, that's like a, that's a thing because across the world it's a, and I'm like, no, no, what do you mean? He goes, no, no, it's, it's like a, like a lot of people like have to squat and they squat to, to do number twos in, uh, yeah. in all across Asia. And I, 
So after bombing for two minutes on, like, trying to abuse this guy for, for attacking my girlfriend, the next part of the set was me just learning things on stage quietly while my friend whispered <laughs> about the context of me. It's such a wholesome segue. Like, oh, I didn't well. know that. So that's, that's fair enough that they do that um, with the stickers. That's bad. Uh, anyway, um, and then I tried to segue into something else, and I just remember just looking across the audience and just seeing everyone like avoiding eye contact yeah. or like playing with napkins um, and but just feeling like I've done this. This night was okay, even though there's been, it was okay before this and I've made it so bad and uncomfortable. And uh, anyway, so I got off stage and um, went back, tried to go back to segue back into my birthday where everyone now, <laughs> when you've just bombed the hardest you'll ever bomb. And it's yeah. my birthday, so then every, and then the <laughs> and then the cake comes out, and everyone's singing me happy birthday, and I'm there just like, no one look at me, please, please, no yeah. one look at me, and they're all just like singing happy birthday to happy birthday. I'm like, oh, I just want this whole night to end. And anyway, it all finished up, and uh, everyone started leaving. And I remember my close family friend, sort of like my like uh, my godmother. She was there and uh, she couldn't look me in the eye by saying, she was like, happy birthday. And I just want to say, uh, good, well, you were up there. You were up there. Yeah. And she wanted to say good stuff, but well done, or but she just couldn't. So she just said, yeah, you were up there. And I remember, and it still rocks me to my core thinking about that <laughs> outside a Thai restaurant in Melbourne. Just someone, a close family friend is going, yeah, you were there at least. Oh, yeah. shakes me to my core. Um, but then, funnily enough, I was on another friend's podcast and I was uh, the first sort of set I built um, uh, built up to about seven minutes was, I, yeah. funnily enough, and I didn't realise this until I was on my friend's podcast and he knows my, my material quite well, was act, it's all about birthdays and people singing you happy birthday and how much I hate yeah. it. And I had made no connection with the first time I bombed until I told him that story. And he was like, that's yeah. so funny because that's like your, my favourite set of yours. Yeah. And so there you go. I think birthdays have become scarred. I think it's, it's <laughs> the trauma has transferred into birthdays more than it has into comedy. I've seen to have shake, shaken the comedy thing. But now if you sing me happy birthday, I'll start season up like I'm a, a war vet. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's understandable that maybe no one should ever sing you that one again. Is it all variations of Happy Birthday? Does the Stevie Wonder version does that rock you to your core as well? <laughs> I think the only Stevie Wonder's all right. The only one I can listen to because it makes me think of a friend from our uh, high school who introduced me to the Beatles was the yeah. the um, they say it's your birthday that 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 whole thing. I enjoy yeah. that because it reminds me of happier times. Yeah. <laughs> I can't oh, believe gosh. we've we've not had anyone on this podcast that their their whole experience of birthdays going forward has been ruined by their first gig. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that's the thing. Like now, people come up to me, mates come up to me, go, oh, "I really want to try it." And I've had a few mates recently who they've sort of quietly come up to me and whispered that they want to get up and have a crack at it at stand-up yeah. and all of them go oh, I'll bring all my friends 
And I'm always like, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I don't think we bring your friends. I think it's good to just, it's good for, in my opinion, I would rather just it be strangers so then you could leave and never see these people again, particularly when you're yeah. early on in your career because inevitably you're going to have a couple of good nights and you're going to have a lot of bad nights, as I'm sure you can attest yeah. to being in the game as well. So if you can keep that away from your family and friends until you've at least got a five-minute set, you're like, I can at least get through this. Yeah, <laughs> I've right. been telling my mates, just me and you, we'll, we'll go and then we'll, we'll lie low and we'll sort of come out with a, a hood over our head and eye <laughs> glasses. But funnily enough, both of those friends have done really well on their first gigs, so they, maybe uh, we should have brought our family and friends. To be fair, the guy who I spoke to um, last week for the podcast, he had said that his theory was that no comedian's first gig ever goes badly. He thinks they always go well, otherwise you wouldn't be a comedian. And yeah, <laughs> I think you've immediately you've put that to shame. But I guess <laughs> it, yeah, I think I, I would be the same if I had a, a bad gig. I think I'd have to go back and try, I think. It's a testament to that love of comedy is that, yeah. you know, you always kind of want to think like it was, the, it was the wrong circumstances. It was a bad bit of material. It was a bad crowd. It was a bad night. You never yeah. want that first kind of thought to be, I'm not good. It's always got to be, yeah. I could be better, but never, yeah. I'm not good. That's it, right? That's it. I think that's like, I think that's a transition that I managed to make at this clown school and coming back was that I finally was able to reroute my brain or the neurons, uh, the, the patterns in my brain that were saying, if it doesn't, if it, you don't get a laugh, it's you that's bad. Yeah. Whereas I think going to the clown school and, and just working on stuff and being told you, you're terrible every day, this, this guy was always like, you're terrible, we think it's terrible, you are shit. Um, so you're constantly hearing that. And then when you're good, he goes, not bad. <laughs> so now I was come out of that going, oh, it's not me that's bad. It's the moment that was bad. It was the joke that was bad. It was a delivery. It's something you can work on because once yeah. you've got that, that laugh or you sort of have that little self-belief of like, no, no, I know I can do it. It's just I'm not doing it yet. Yeah. Um, and that switch for me was like revolutionary. It was able, it enabled me, sorry, to be able to go back and, and – rewrite that entire experience of bombing on my birthday yeah i think i think that's a really good way of uh, of looking at it and i think now as we've you know we've got your your worst gig out the way and hopefully you'll never need to think about that again <laughs> we'll bring into the the kind of last two questions of the podcast and the first one is perhaps the most therapeutic one uh, and and that is that the comedy gods have smiled on you, and they've decided that your worst gig oh. it never ever happened. But you have to replace it with a gig of your own. You get to pick your lineup, you get to pick your MC, your venue, all of that, and it will Ooh. go in place of that gig forever. Oh, okay. I have I have written a few names down, and even over our talk. I've changed my mind. So this is how flippant yeah. it is. Um, I think I think the greatest lineup of all time that I could sort of assemble or my favourite um, was the MC. Um, or should I, where should I start? MC? Yeah, yeah. Go in the order that you feel fit. Okay. Um, 
Or maybe I'll start with venue. Um, I think for me, uh, in the past, I would have said big venue. I would have said like oh, O2 Arena or something wild. Yeah. That would be like cool, so cool. But I think the more I'm doing uh, comedy, the more I enjoy the like 150 room, 150 seat room where you can yeah. sort of, it, it feels big that there's a big wave of laughter, but small enough that you can see everyone and you sort of feel the community rather yeah, than where like you the more Rose intimate kind of gigs. Yeah, do you feel the same when you watch comedy? Yeah, I definitely, I prefer, I, I mean, the venue I, I've always loved is Sheffield City Hall, and it's because it's, it's a beautiful venue, but it's also the first place that I ever watched any kind of comedy. But there's just across the road is a, a much smaller venue, but it's perhaps the most famous like venue around me. It's called the Lead Mill. Uh, and it's oh. it's about 150 seats, and that is like I've always thought it would be so nice to perform there, because not only would so few people see me bomb, uh, but also like <laughs> I think you can really it's them times where you really do bounce off the audience when it's like because uh, I think sometimes you bounce off the atmosphere, and that's in your bigger rooms where you're like this is great, everyone's loving it, but I think you bounce mm-hmm. off the audience more when there's less of them. And you start to yeah. you connect, and you can tailor that material specifically to that mm-hmm. smaller group of people that are there. Yeah, it feels special to the night. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, like in this hypothetical, do do where we're performing as is it the locals who are watching the show? Uh, it can be the audience that you want. This the is your dream want. venue. I tell you what, I'm going to show Chuck a massive shout out to the Brits and I'm going to set it in, I'm going to set it in like a glee club Yeah. in like, oh, we did a great show in Birmingham and we did a great show yeah. in, oh, in Cardiff as well. Those, the glee clubs are amazing. So I reckon maybe let's go, let's go the, the glee club in, in, uh, Leeds or something like that. It was just we had a lot of fun there, and yeah. that was like four hundred seats, and it was just a really fun time, and it was just felt lovely. Um, I think it's going to be a bit odd, but we're going to MC with uh, a duo act. They're not usually a duo act. Um, yeah. They're two of my favourite Australian comedians, and they are Sam Campbell, Good and uh, and I'd like him to bounce off. Um, I think they're mates, Aaron Chen. Yeah. You know Aaron Chen? Yeah, so I'd I like know them of to him. like... I'm not aware of if they're friends, but I know of them both. <laughs> yeah, right. I have no idea. But they've got a very similar comedy style in a way. So like I... They're sort of offbeat, but so relatable in the same sense. They're, they're both genius in my mind. So I'd love to see them linking up and like sort of one coming out and doing a little bit, the other one coming out and doing another or, or doing a sort of a joint thing. And I'd love for at some point if they could... <laughs> Do some uh, with uh, interaction with an audience plant, and uh, yeah. that would be Mark Silcox. Oh, I love Mark Silcox. Yeah, he he's been to Australia a few times and, and been the sort of audience plant for a couple of Sam Campbell shows that I've seen. And yeah. I just remember they did this. Sam did this, like it was just wild. This like magic show um, yeah. with him and his mate from New Zealand, and it just was wild. And Mark Silcox came out with a blonde wig. He was like he was playing a surfer, but it's still very much Mark Silcox. So he's yeah. like, "Yeah, surfs up, dude!" And it just was—I was just crying. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just wild. 
Yeah. So I think anyone who I, knows Mark Silcox as well would just like I think you can picture exactly kind of what happened there, just from yeah. knowing who he is. He's like he's like the sort of um, he's sort of like the uh, Indian or, or Sri Lankan. I'm not sure where his origins were, but like version of my dad as well. He's just like yeah. he's sort of got this like ethnic dad energy. And it's just, <laughs> I find it hilarious. It's like if someone's asked someone's dad to do it and he's like, sure, I'll do it. And he has no idea. And it's just, he's <laughs> funny as, I find him hilarious. Yeah. Um, I think straight off the top, we're going to go with um, someone who I'm watching at the moment who I'm finding hilarious. And I just, I don't know, he, the mark of me enjoying a comedian is when I'm lying in bed just before I fall asleep and I'm laughing out loud. And that is yeah. Rory Scovel. Nice. Uh, American comedian. Um, he sort of, uh, he's, <laughs> I think he just enjoys his material yeah. and, uh, he seems to enjoy every word and I just love watching him. He's got such a presence and he's like bubbly. He's fun. He seems a bit, uh, fun and dangerous somehow in tandem. Yeah. And I love that. So I, I'd have him, um, Taylor Tomlinson, I would put up next. Um, she's got so much fire, um, yeah in her stories and bite and she really wants to say something and I just think she's awesome and she's getting all the plaudits she deserves at the moment. After that, I would go for uh, Damien Power, an Australian yeah. comedian. Yeah, I think he's one of the, the very finest joke writers that we have um, and you can tell that over the course of his career he's really developed his craft and I think he, I just I don't think he can do much wrong in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so shout outs to Damien there. And then I think after that, it would be remiss of me not to put James A. Caster in. Yeah. Like, need I say more about James A. Caster? I think um, he's definitely, in terms of Britain, I think he's probably the Peter K of the next comedy generation. I think he'll be that guy where everyone has that, like, yeah, so I watched James A. Caster and I thought, I'm going to get into comedy I'm, now. I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he someone that you watched early on and you you also uh, caught think, the bug vicariously? Yeah, and I, I think really weirdly, um, there's often a lot of similarity, not between me and James Acaster material-wise, <laughs> but between me in real life and James Acaster on stage. There's a huge crossover. Yeah. I, I think I have a lot of similar mannerisms to the point that I'm very purposeful in my like in my act of being like this sounds too James A. Caster, so I have to take that out or I have to remove <laughs> it because I'm like I'm not trying to be him. I'm just accidentally yeah. becoming that. That's so funny. I find I find I go through waves of whoever I'm watching at the moment. I'll write bits yeah. and I'll be like, this is just a a James A. Caster bit that I've written yeah. and I'm not him, so it's not going to be as good, of course. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's so funny. He's definitely someone who who sticks in the memory. He's such an iconic... His neuroses is just such a pleasure yeah. to watch. Yeah. And I mean that the kindest way possible. I think you know what I mean. Um, I think another... Uh, speaking of which of the people who got me into comedy who I just uh, obsessed with, uh, Flight of the Concords, I would love for them to jump up next. And yeah. do a couple of songs, um, like stuff like Business Time, Robots Are Dead, or my favourite, which is um, only really on YouTube, actually, Jenny. Have you heard that oh, yeah. song by them? Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't heard the song, 
Jenny. Type in Jenny Flight of the Concords YouTube. That is probably my favorite video of all time. It's just <laughs> them going back and forth on a sort of like a, a surprise date sort of thing. Anyway, I don't want to ruin it, but I'd, I'd request that. I'd be like, you can play this gig, but please, please play that. <laughs> um, and then I think I'd give, so that's, they'd be all doing maybe tens. And then I'd, I'd leave the last two slots for, I'd, I'd try and do like a double headliner if I could. Um, yeah. And that would be two of my absolute favorites. Um, Stuart Lee. I just yeah. think he is, he's just something else. Um, just his joke writing, his innovation, his um, his guts. To, I think he just, yeah. he seems to me be one of these people who just says, I'm going to write a joke about this and really follow it through. And if you don't get it, then that's on you. He sort of tries to pull you along, but if you if it's not for you, he just goes, all right, it's not for you and just keeps plowing on. I find that yeah. very admirable. But of course, he's very, he's very good. So he gets most people on board, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then after that, uh, I think uh, Louis C.K. I think is probably one of the greatest comedians that I've ever seen do it. Yeah. In terms of on video or or watching online, and I think he's the most complete comedian in my opinion in terms of his joke writing, his delivery, um, his timing. He just I think he's just worked it out. It just he seems to be sort of like just technically. The more I've gotten into yeah. comedy, the more I appreciate him as an artist. I think. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think that's that. That's the crew. From any of them, would you <laughs> do you agree? Disagree? Who are your fans? Oh, I think I'd definitely be going to see that gig for sure. I would not be missing that. I think. Uh, it, there's a lot of overlap with what would be my dream gig as well. Uh, oh, that's I think good. that that's lineup good. it definitely includes Stuart Lee and James Acaster for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's great. I think as well as the as the Zoom timer ticks down, we'll uh, we'll usher on to the final but perhaps most important question of the podcast, which is oh, yeah. uh, Die Hard Christmas movie, yes or no? Uh, Die Hard is an absolutely Christmas movie, in my opinion. Absolutely yeah. Christmas movie. I, I think if you if you're telling me that it's just because there's no elves in there or there's no Christmas trees, you you gotta you gotta branch out. You gotta <laughs> you gotta open up. Um, yeah. You're are you on the Christmas movie bandwagon? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my uh, my life is formed around my belief. That Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very James Acaster, in my opinion. Actually, <laughs> he would be yeah. he would have the strongest opinion on that. I reckon. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been it's been so nice having you with us. Um, it's an episode that I've been uh, absolutely gassed to do since I think I pretty much hounded you from the moment that I saw you live when I developed the concept for this podcast right before the gig. I saw you live. I messaged you the morning after the gig and was like, please yeah. do the podcast. Uh, so I'm so happy to have had you with us. Um, thank you for, for being an absolute blast as well. Um, before oh, no you worries. leave, Thanks I'm going to give you... Thank you for coming. Uh, I'm going to give you a whole minute uh, to just plug whatever you want, whatever you're doing. If you want people to follow you in a certain place, uh, you've got that time. Just plug away. 
Oh, thanks, mate. Well, yeah, thanks again for having me. I really, really appreciate being on, and um, it's so good to, to meet fellow comedians from across the world So, and link up and just chat comedy. I'm such a comedy nerd, so this has been a real delight. Um, yeah. In terms of plugging stuff, what have I got coming up? Um, I'll be across London um, in for the next uh, probably six weeks or so uh, from the middle of July to August. I'll be gigging and, and hustling up my uh, Fringe show, uh, Edinburgh Fringe show. I'll be doing a split bill with a good friend of mine, a fellow comedian and a clown, uh, Oliver West, Ollie West, um, who's uh, a very good London comic. And our show will be called uh, Long Distance Roommates. And it'll be about uh, me staying with Ollie um, when the COVID lockdown hit and we just come out of, we're in the middle of clown school and we're staying in Royston, uh, yeah. out in, <laughs> in Royston in the sticks in London. So there'll be a lot of stand up and there'll be a lot of weird, uh, turns cause we've both got, um, roots in alternate comedy as well. So if you yeah. like things like Auntie Donna, there'll be flashes of things that will be a bit sketchy and a bit fun, sketchy in terms of actual sketch but they could also get sketchy as well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we go. But, yeah, if uh, if not, uh, if you're not in uh, Edinburgh yourself, um, please tell a friend. It'll be our first time there. It'll be my first time there. So I'd really appreciate uh, anyone rocking up and uh, giving a, a fresher comic a, a bum on a seat. It would be much appreciated. And uh, in the meantime, just follow me on the old socials, just Casey Phillips. On Instagram, yep. I'll be posting a reel once a week. Trying to get better at that, Ben, <laughs> as we were talking about earlier. You need to be yep. that as well. So um, stay tuned for all that. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, lovely. Thank you for coming. Uh, and like Casey said, just follow him in all those places. Please go and see him. You will absolutely love the act. Uh, and the podcast, it will be here every week still. With, uh, for some reason, people agree to do this constantly. Uh, follow the podcast <laughs> give it a like give it a share rate it five stars check out the other episodes even if it's a comedian you've never heard of they're going to have some really funny stories you can check them out everywhere thank you for supporting the podcast goodbye goodbye <laughs>